today's podcast, I've got Drew Moss from our college ministry and Ryan Vincent from our adult ministry. We're going to be talking about what friends are, um, kind of how we find their roots in the Bible, um, and then what it means actually for us to to be friends and, and why God has given us uh, this particular uh, need in us and also uh, the responsibility for us to recognize the obligations that we have to one another. Um, this looks like it's going to be a two-parter because we weren't able to get all the way through the material, um, but I hope you love this first section. So here's my question to you. And I, I haven't I haven't stated which one of you ah, yet. Yeah. It's still, Here we go. still just kind of hanging out there. Um, you guys, you guys can pick which which one of you want to go first. Um, growing up, who's your best friend? Drew Moss, go. Eric Epperson. Eric Epperson. Since first, uh, first grade, at least. Like we always say, we can't really remember a time before being friends real well. So, I'd say, I'd say, yeah, that's it. So before EE. Yep, that's the that's the. There's no time before E E B E E before Eric Epperson. <laughs> that's right. So just like not being Canadian, there was never a time that's right. that you can remember at least. Yep, I have been not Canadian for as long as I remember, and I have been <laughs> friends with Eric Epperson for as long as I remember. That's right. <laughs> um, was he also your? So you he was your best friend. Yeah. Were you? Were <laughs> straight up though? Were you his best friend? I assume. I hope. <laughs> Uh yeah, absolutely. Right, Eric? If he's listening. <laughs> uh we were uh yes, we were totally best friends. How tight? How like how serious was this friendship? So Eric Epperson or one of your brothers? Who were you closer to growing up? Ooh. Oh, growing Cause up. Because you're yeah, because you were close to your brothers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Closer to Eric? Growing up, I'd still say Eric. Okay. Growing up, I'd still say Eric. There's, you know, there's that weird thing that happens when you go to college where you grow to like appreciate and love sure. your your family and siblings more, you know, and yeah. something happens there where you grow much closer. But yeah, I would say I was more apt to whatever confide in Eric things as as a fourteen year old, fifteen year old than I would have my brothers. I think that's true. Do you guys ever have so, a fight? Uh, I don't know that we did. No falling out. No falling out. Nope. That's pretty cool. Yep, that's pretty yeah, cool. That's pretty cool. RV, what do you got? Ryan Vincent? Mm-hmm. Uh, my best friend growing up would have been a guy named Matthew Freeman. Matthew Freeman. Matt Freeman. Um, From what? when to when? Like, did you meet him in junior, junior high, high? Okay. until early college? <laughs> it didn't go well when I became a Christian. So okay. Our, our so, friendship did not survive my conversion. Okay. <laughs> um, and your friendship's still going on today? Still going on today. You yep. and Eric? So... Still best friends, or is, is yeah, it's a, that's such a hard weird? thing to even like. I, I try to think through, you know, who's it, my my kids will ask me the question, who's my best friend, right? Who's my best friend? And man, I don't even know how to answer that question. Yeah. Like, like I'm yeah. 38, I don't know, even know not, if I have best friends <laughs> yeah, anymore. Yeah. I do have a locket around my neck that has half of a heart. <laughs> yes, yes. So I, 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 that, I that is probably Amy has one the of other my half. favorite. Whoever of has. all the necklaces you wear, Drew, yep. my favorite one is the one with that half of a heart. Uh, and yeah. I, I assumed Eric had the other half. Yes, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, and so <laughs> technically that probably makes us best friends. <laughs> Uh, if that is, if a half heart locket is your definition of best friend, then yeah, sure. Call us best friends. But Amy, um, Amy complained about it once. Drew's like, I gave you a whole ring. 
I think we're we're close. <laughs> so yeah, it's such a different thing, right? Just yeah. especially being in different towns, and then you know being married, and then having staff members that we're really good friends with and stuff. But there's something weird about even if it's not like your say closest friendship in the moment this weird there's a depth of time there's mm-hmm. like a depth that comes with time that's just uh just kind of a rich history to it you know what i mean yep. that's really yep. that's really cool so okay so those are just that that kind of that quick emotive hey tell me about your friendships and yep. you guys have a name and just floods of memories but now i want to kind of think through this theologically so ryan help us understand um, what it means to have friends or to be a friend. How do we think about this term theologically? It's not like a, a term that you you see a lot in the Bible. It's 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 not um, what you would think about as like this primary thing. It's such a big deal to us growing up, right? Man, mm-hmm. I don't have any friends, or man, I've got lots of friends. Like it's such a uh, a paramount issue for for all of us, even as parents, right? One of the biggest concerns we have is that our kids have good friends and that have Mm -hmm. friends that are, um, that are definitely like strengthening them and encouraging them. Um, and yet how would we, how would we look at this, Ryan, kind of break this open theologically? How does the Bible speak about friendship? How, how would we, how, how should we look at it? Um, it doesn't have like, we don't have a friendship chapter or, um, a book that is totally devoted to friendship. So you almost have to, to tease apart various other things. Um, the the first thing that I thought whenever whenever I saw the questions was um, it it better be important because um, what are we going to replace it with and I think there's a tendency to to say that you know um, marriage is the apex of all friendships and then um, you, you know over the last I don't know ten fifteen years now there's been this movement in Christian publishing and thinking to talk through well, what does it look like to live like a fully like robust Christian life as a as a single person, as singleness has really been studied in both the context of just simply not being married, but also in the context of living a faithful life when you don't experience normal heterosexual feelings. Um, and and a lot of where these these thinkers and writers are going is we we live out our our Christianity in the context of deep friendships with one another. So how do we how do we consider the one another texts? You okay. know, so uh, is that where is that where you kind of go in your mind when you're when you're thinking about friendship? You you kind of think about the one another texts. Is that kind of where you maybe go? That's where I start maybe at its widest because okay. I don't I don't have anybody in the fellowship where I I think that they're not one of the others that I'm supposed to be doing these things with. But I also think of like close friends as the, the like the the training ground so to speak where I exercise those things regularly okay. and where the relationship is um is thick enough to bear the burden of rebuke and correction and love that is hey I need to talk to you about something that's going to be hard like there there are Christians all over the world that don't really have that relationship with me and then there in this room there's three guys that could do that with me right yep and that's it's pro, it's friendship you could say it's proximity we work together we spend time together but i think it's friendship okay so Drew, what, anything you want to add to, um, as we tease this out, we don't really have a Bible verse, yeah. as, as he said, or a, or a, or a chapter, um, or instructions that are given to friends. Mm-hmm. So then how, for something that is so crucial to us, yeah. how should we think about it theologically? What would you add? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the first things I think of is just uh, this idea that we believe Christianity is unique in that it believes in a God that is 
relational at mm. the core. Not just when we say relational, we don't just mean that's kind of a part of who he is, as he likes to be in a relationship, but literally that is at his very nature yeah, is yeah. a triune three in one God, three persons living in perfect relationship yep. from the beginning. And that's why I think to be made in the image of God, I think uh, that's why human beings thrive on, on good and healthy relationships and why so much feels out of whack in our lives when things aren't right, uh, when, when relationships aren't good, when they're strained and all those things. Because, I, you know, I, I think it was, I, if, if I can't remember who said something, I just say Tim Keller because there's oh. a 90% chance that's where I got it from. <laughs> uh, that talks about, you know, if it's true that at the core of the universe, at the center of all things is a God who is relationship between three self-giving, loving persons, then it would just make sense yeah. that that life works best in good and healthy relationship. And then I think we get through that a little bit of almost the context of, I think that's one of the reasons why, even though this is a marriage verse, I think the larger principle of it is yeah. not good for man to be alone. Yeah. I think yep. that's why you get a little bit of that in Genesis two, Genesis one, end of Genesis one, or, or I think it's the beginning of Genesis two, beginning of yeah. Genesis two. Yeah. For some reason I want to say two, eight, but, yeah. but yep. It's not good for man to be alone. I think is a, is a verse about marriage, but it's also a larger truth about like human beings mm. made to, made to live in relationship um, as God is. And I think sometimes I, I, I even wonder if that's a good, I don't know, maybe it is or isn't, but a good starting point is to think about how even the Trinity interacts with itself, this constant yeah. self-giving, moving towards um, moving towards the other in love is kind of a good picture of, of what friendship is. You Which know? is interesting, because then it's not necessarily a, a neediness, um, although I guess maybe if, if it's not good for man to be alone, then there is a need that yeah. exists. So yeah. maybe, you know, having having a need without being needy. Mm-hmm. So it's it wasn't just that something was, uh, well, maybe it was something it's, that was broken. I got to be careful. Yeah. I want to say this. I think it's like, I think it's need in the same way that like I need sleep, yeah. which doesn't, it's not like that's a emotionally yeah. needy thing yeah. or a, you're just messed up. Because it's like, no, God has created us in a certain way with relational certain parameters. Yeah, yeah, relational that like we don't, we are not self-sufficient in our, so that, that we are dependent on relationship and community and that kind of stuff. So. so Old and New Testament, and you're not allowed to talk about Jonathan or David because that's what yeah. everybody, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. I, I think it's funny because when we talk about these friendships, it's usually the one we all default to. Mm-hmm. Um, and and even, even there, the material is, is, is pretty sparse. Yeah. But if we weren't going to use that as an example and we were going to try to go back, who are, what are some of the famous um, friendships that exist in the uh, in either the Old or the New Testament. Ryan, what are some of the ones that come to mind for you? Uh, f- the first one that came to mind for me was Paul and Silas. Okay. They seem to... Um, and, and, I, and I was going through the Acts material and looking at, you know, Silas is very involved in Paul's first two missionary journeys. And he... he um, Maybe second, third. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Second, third. Second, third. And he... You, you see them go through just difficulties together, and they, they're persecuted together. They, they plant churches together. They get run out of cities together. And I started to wonder, is there, is there a closeness that develops through adversity? Hmm. You know. And then I thought, okay, well, Paul, he seems to develop deep relationships with the Ephesian elders. Um, and then even like going back to his first missionary journey, Paul got really sick of Mark. 
Like, Mark, get that guy out of here. But then later on, he, he talks very fondly of Mark. He's like, I need him. Yeah. So like in Second um, Timothy 4, it, you get this list of people that Paul really cares about. So he says, you know, only Luke is with me. I assume he's a close friend of Paul's after, by that point. Bring Mark with you, for he's useful to me in ministry. I've sent Tychicus and to Ephesus. Um, and then he talks about Alexander. Things didn't go well with him, but he keeps he keeps at the end of his letters. He's he's this is kind of his swan song letter. He even says, "Hey, tell Prisca uh, Pris and Aquila hello." Like you just see that Paul has close friends that yep. I think um, he picks up along the way. Yeah, so, that's where you. I don't see know if it. I don't know. He just stole like a big chunk of the New Testament <laughs> when he says the Apostle Paul. But any any other friendships jump out at you? Yeah, because Paul is where we go, right? <laughs> That's where I will. When you, when you, if you just go to a, a concordance or if yep. you go to a Bible gateway or whatever and type in the word friend, a lot when you get to the New Testament is Paul at the end of his letters yep. or at the beginning of his letters to my dear friend Philemon yep. Yep. or say, say hi to my good friend Gaius or those kinds of things. He kind of, he throws these things in there. Um, but, you know, the, the first place actually my mind went was uh, Jesus in John 15, 16, 15, I think, yeah, where he yeah, says yeah, to the yeah. disciples, I no longer call you servants, yep. but instead I call you friends. Yeah. A greater love has no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command you. In fact, I no longer call you servants because servants don't know what their master's doing, but I've made known to you what I'm doing. And so that idea of even friendship being like a... a uh, kind of letting you in yeah. to what actually yeah. who I am and what I'm all about here. I'm 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 pulling back the curtain and you're going to I'm I'm making it all clear for you right now and 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 there's a friendship there. Another one that uh my my mind went to actually and I don't know what cultural stuff is here but but uh Ruth and Naomi actually yeah. I yeah. think of yeah. uh Ruth and Naomi so Ruth is a Moabite woman yep. who marries who marries Naomi's son. son. Mm -hmm. uh, Naomi's Jewish, and when when the son dies, and so therefore the family ties are kind of supposed to be cut somewhat. Naomi at least gives permission to Ruth. Hey, we're not you know my son's dead, your husband, and so you go back to Moab, go back to your people, and and you can you can be with them, start a new life there. And Ruth gives that kind of famous passage. The, that, that's what the heart, the broken heart that's thing. The, that's yes, the famous yes, that the, you and Eric have. That's right. That's right. One of you is Ruth, and the other one of you is Naomi. <laughs> yes, that's. It. I've always thought, and I'm just going to say this, yep. and hopefully Eric is listening. Yeah, I've always thought of you as the Ruth okay, in the relationship. Yeah. That's where I was going to go. Eric was the more of the mature, <laughs> the Naomi, the mother-in-law figure, the, the lovesick. <laughs> yeah, that's how I've that's, always seen you. Pam, yeah, this has gone some weird directions. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, but that, that idea in there is uh, where you go, I will yeah, go. Yeah. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And, uh, and there may be some kind of cultural stuff there with a, a feeling of kind of obligation to the family that she has. I don't know, but that, that was one that kind of popped in my mind yeah. a little bit too. On Jesus, I also thought of he had, a, he had the disciples or his friends, but he has the three closest as well, Peter, yeah. James, and John. Yeah. Which I've all, you know, I'll just say this. I've always thought it was very interesting because I can only imagine, although I've never heard anybody say this, but to single out three of the 12 and then to draw them in a, at a level closer, wouldn't that be like a not good leadership, not a best practice? Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't that be kind of like, you know, how to, how to 
one, how to, one how mistake, to alienate many yeah, of your friends. Like one big mistake that Jesus made was having three that were closer than the than the yeah. other than the other nine. So I've always thought that to be fascinating, but it definitely seems to be the case that, yeah, that but, Jesus has Peter, James, and John. I've always felt bad for Andrew. Who's like, it's like sometimes wow. in and sometimes yes. like <laughs> he like sometimes gets to come along. <laughs> exactly. And out. Yeah. It's like so James and John, and then Peter, and then Andrew's like, yeah, no, I had to hang it with Bartholomew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's, uh, Bartholomew again. So we go two by two and I get Bartholomew again. Um, but it's interesting that, you know, it's, it's, it seems like, and going back to even what I was asking you about. So tell me about your relationship with Eric versus a relationship with your brothers. Um, it's not uncommon for us to have such close friendships that it, the, the, the lines begin to get confused or blend. Mm-hmm. Uh, between family and friends that's so I, in that book uh, and i don't know if i mentioned the book yet but there's a book titled spiritual friendship and he by wesley hill by wesley hill yep. and he's he's particularly talking about the need for robust relationships in the church friendships in the church as a way of caring for those who are um, same-sex attracted but choosing to live a celibate faithful life to the lord um, he says that in his introduction to that book, he he basically says he read all these books uh, by Christians on friendship, and the one thing that he saw in all of them is that they were celebrating, try, uh, like holding out as a really good thing how free uh, real friendship is. It's your it's your least obligated relationship. It's all out of personal choice, and he wrote an entire book saying that that is nonsense mm-hmm. and that that's not a good thing. And so this line is. Um, he said, this book is my effort to answer the question whether we can, uh, whether friendship should be so free and unconstrained. He says, instead, should we think of friendship as based above all on personal preference? Should we think of it as uh, preserving its voluntary character and therefore, or thereby vulnerable at every point to dissolution if one of the friends grows tired or, or, uh, or burdened by the relationship? Should we consider friendship as always freshly chosen but never incurring any substantial obligations or entailing any unbreakable bonds? Or should we, instead, pursuing a rather different line of thought, consider friendship more along the lines of how we think of marriage? Should we begin to imagine friendship as more stable, permanent, and binding than we often do? Should we, in short, think of our friends more like the siblings we're stuck with, like it or not, than like our acquaintances that we can leave when it gets hard? And I thought that's an and his yeah. book kind of develops yeah. that line of thought. Well, and it's interesting because you know, it, kind of teasing this out a little bit, um, we 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 often want to think about our our friends as family, right? So we talk about them being closest family, and then when we want to talk about our family, we want to talk about whether or not they're friends. Yeah, like I know your I know your brothers, your cl- but are they your friends? Mm-hmm. And then the other way around. So why do you think that is that there is this kind of this this back and forth between? Um, friends that we consider as family and family that we consider as friends. Are those almost synonymous terms, Drew? Hmm, that's really interesting. Because uh, even parents feel this way, right? Like they talk about the wanting to be good friends with their kids. Yeah, yeah. Right? Which I, yeah. I don't know if that's the best paradigm, but I think I know what they're trying to, what they're yeah. trying to say. That's a great question. Uh, it seems, I don't know if, if something of it has to do with this uh, I, I think what, what Ryan just read is yeah. like we have a tendency, I think, uh, to feel like relational chemistry and a and a uh, just kind of a natural preference for someone is is more 
uh, genuine, idealistic, yes, genuine, genuine, even authentic, uh, hear me, yeah. yeah, authentic, romanticized to yep, say that in the right yep, way. And yep. so therefore it feels, I think we like that more if mm. it's like, uh, there's the, uh, th- I've even seen like the little like mugs or the little calendars says like, uh, something like sisters by birth, friends by choice. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and yeah, the yeah, idea yeah, is, yeah. yeah, I mean, we're sisters, but like, I would choose to be friends with you anyway. <laughs> like we're, we're that, yeah. we get along that much. We're close that much. And there's something about the fact that I would, which I get, but there's something about the fact that I really like you and I would choose to be your friend that I think appeals to us. And so mm. that wanting to know that we are, uh, that we are friends and we choose each other and all those things. It's a big so, deal, I think. So what do you think about what uh, what Wesley Hill says about obligation mm-hmm. and friendship? What does that what does that do or how does that challenge us, Drew, yeah. in, in, in terms of maybe even thinking about um, how to make our friendships deeper and stronger? Yeah, that really is, you know, we've talked about from time to time in, in our staff or just you and I kind of shooting the breeze gym like that. There's this preference for... Uh, a relationship w- w- to use the word like obligation yeah. Yeah. makes it feel like it's not a genuine relationship. Ugh, yeah. I'm obligated to hang out with this guy. I'm obligated to go help this guy move because he helped me move last time. Yeah. So yeah. now yeah. I got to I gotta do it. Yeah. And it just doesn't feel the same as like, dude, I, I would love to come help you anytime. I want to be, you know what I mean? Um, but that is actually how relationships have formed for all of history yeah. is in days before in days before uh, property insurance or life insurance or whatever, if, if things went bad at your house, you didn't have like a safety net other than the community yep. that had some level of just kind of natural obligation. Yep. That like yep. we're, we're not letting our friends over here starve. Yep. Yep. And therefore, since I helped you, you're kind of obligated that if it comes my way that you're going you're gonna to come help me too. And that wasn't considered like inauthentic and that wasn't considered like not real friendship. Uh, it developed very deep ties, communal and relational ties. And so I think there's something to that. As much as we want to, we don't like the idea of it. It doesn't sound very idealistic for friendship, but this idea of just going, I'm obligated to you. And I, I will show up even when I don't feel like showing up to help you out or to, to listen to you or to do those kinds of things. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you, it's desperately needed. And it's funny because um, in some ways, I don't know if we've cheapened it or not when I have you know 2,968 friends on Facebook and I still feel alone. Something yeah. something is disconnected there. So that, that, whole, that whole word um, takes on a fresh, a fresh new meaning. So Ryan, obviously you got excited about that statement. I could just tell as you were even kind of as we were prepping for this, you were mm. something's resonating with you yeah. in terms of that with that Wesley Hill stuff. What what do you want to add that, to what what Drew just said in terms of just the need for obligation? Yeah, and and I want it. I, I it it does resonate with me, and it, and it's not because oh I I just got to be friends with everybody. I've got to be friends with. I I think that there is an element of like the 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 choice to be friends with someone is still there. I don't know if I'm. Um, so I'm not trying to say that the, the, the choosing element and the obligation element, um, absolve one another or, or counteract one another. I'm saying that I think that Wes is onto something when he says, when you choose to enter into friendship with someone, you're choosing to obligate yourselves to them. And so he, his concern is for the, the never ending choice. He's yeah, like the, the, the choice, choice is, is still there. early. Yeah, the yeah. choice is still there. It's kind of like I chose to marry my wife. That we don't live where in a time where arranged marriages are a thing. Though, as my kids get older, that might be nice. Um, 
I chose to marry her. What I did is I chose to obligate myself to her. And he's saying that there, there could be something there in a friendship as well. Um, you know, I, I would consider myself obligated to any one of you guys in a number of situations. Um, and even to varying degrees, right? Um, like, um, sure. So is, just, that, is that a bad thing? I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. It doesn't always, I think just like marriage sometimes, it may not always feel sure. No, 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 I get it. Pleasant, I get it. But there's something but, but really I'm your be- rich about I'm, that. I'm your best friends now yeah. though, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got to gotta see if I can get that heart necklace back there. Eric. <laughs> Um, (laughs) honestly that's where it does get i mean i i I think i've overcome some of my junior high uh insecurities Mm -hmm. but i think that's i think that's where it does get a little bit complicated right is i i I love watching you guys on staff i've talked to you this and i see just how close you are to other people and there have been i mean if i'm going to be brutally honest there have been times in my life where that just makes me feel weirdly insecure Left and out. Left out, yeah. Left out and trying to figure out how to manage it. How to how do I have Drew over for supper or how do we play in the sandbox or something <laughs> to try to try to level the score or you know what I mean? Like I, I was always working the system, right? And it's been really interesting as I've gotten older, I've really enjoyed watching our staff develop friendships. And at the same time I'm really aware that maybe even somebody that's listening to this podcast right now from our church is just always on the outside looking yeah. in. So yeah. how do you, you know, how how do we deal with that? So I, I don't know if I disagree with you. Yeah. How do we not become like either like envious or bitter when we're always kind of on the outside looking in on some of these things? What does it actually mean for us? Yeesh. Uh, that's, I mean, that's, that's so hard. Like it's, especially if you're speaking from the outside, there's no way around that that doesn't hurt. You know what I mean? There's no <laughs> yes. way around that. Um, I think that there's a, uh, this doesn't answer this fully, but I think that there's an overall posture. Um, uh, I can't remember his, I can't remember the book that it is now. Tim Keller wrote it, though. It's, it would be, to, I'm just going to say <laughs> Tim Keller. It's not Tim Keller. It's the dude uh, from when, when people are big and God is small. Yep. Uh, Ed Welch. Ed Welch. But it's another book he wrote, okay. but I can't remember it. Uh, but he talks about this idea of like, what what a lot of friendship is is it is moving towards the other and so yeah. it is is a yeah. constant yeah. like i i just like god moved towards me and didn't wait for me to initiate or something god moved towards me and that's how i want to move towards others which actually which actually puts myself out there it it puts more like risk on me because yeah. if i put myself if i move towards jim in friendship with an extension of friendship and he doesn't reciprocate then i'm the one that Exposed. it stings that's the yeah. one i'm the one who looks like it hurts more right but i think that this kind of attitude that goes move move toward move toward and be willing to put yourself out there and be the one who feels dumb i think if that can be carried all the way through then it might even help in the sense of rather than me being going, dang, why won't they reach out to me? Why don't they call me when they get together? Why don't they do these things to me? There's no way around that that hurts, but, but to spend more time going, dude, I'm just going to move towards. Yeah. I'm going to, yep. I'm going to call them or I'm going to call someone else who doesn't, sure. or I'm going to, uh, I'm going to be the one who is constantly trying, putting myself out, knowing it may hurt just like people reject God yeah. when he yeah. reaches out to them. Yeah. I w- I'm going to be the kind of person who extends my, hand for the handshake first and they've got the opportunity to to slap it away or ignore it or 
or to reciprocate. And and it, and it does. It takes a certain degree of maturity. So I don't know. You know, you might hear that and go, like, I don't have it in me. I get that. Yeah. I really do. I kind of understand that. A- Andrea and I have had the similar thing. She has spent almost all of her life just very much introverted and very much just kind of feeling like I'm on the outside um, just kind of looking in at all these other significant relationships. And so she's always talked about that. And and I've had a lot of very significant close friends all the way through my life. And yet I don't know if I've ever really had like a BFF. Mm. Like there have been times where I was really close to a good friend of mine named Glenn Primo in the seventh grade and a, a really good friend of mine um, that was best man at my wedding. But I bet you his best friend wasn't me. That was always a little bit weird. Um, and so you, you have these different, these different dynamics. Um, and, and so Andrew and I've had these conversations and, and she'll, she would, she would describe sometimes, I don't wonder if she listens to the podcast, but she would describe sometimes like seeing me having friendships and her feeling like a little bit, like something wrong was wrong. And I kind of told her, you know, the reason why, like I go up for lunch with a lot of people is because I ask a lot of people to lunch. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if I have a lot of people asking me out to lunch. Like it's just something I've decided to do. Um, and again, it's, it sounds like almost the advice you give your kids when they're going to middle school for the first time, right? Yeah. I mean, it does. As yeah. I was listening to you, it was just, it was kind of like it was that similar, just very wise advice that also leaves us vulnerable. But yeah. It's weird <laughs> how much, how much, even in my own, even in my own mind or heart, how much things sometimes still feel like middle school. How, you yeah. know what I mean? It is. It's, it's weird yeah. how much, like we tell our, my daughter's in middle school and tell, Hey, you Go, go talk to people, make them feel, you focus on how can I help people feel loved and, and those kinds of things. But man, it's weird how, how as an adult, it still feels weird to mm-hmm. invite so-and-so over in case they're just like, nah, or you <laughs> know what I mean? Or to, they, there's still those kinds of uh, things where like you feel this insecurity yes. as you begin to try to develop relationships. It's, it's not, it's more noticeable. It's harder to hide it in middle school. And that's yeah. why we refer yeah. to it as a middle school thing or junior high yeah. thing, but it, yeah. it runs deep and it runs, you know, deep into our age and all those things. That, so. No, that's a good point. We never get, we never get rid of some of those, uh, some of those insecurities or, or, or tendencies. Anything you want to add, Ryan? Uh, no, I don't think so. I was going to say something along those lines of just, you know, um, take the initiative. Um, and it's risky. You know, my son uh, started at a new school this year and he was having trouble making friends early on. And my, I've never really been, I can't ever remember having trouble like or taking a long time to make friends. But Rachel is more Andrea-like, more introverted, and she really was uh, sympathizing with him. And she's like, well, you need to give him some advice on how to make friends. <laughs> I told her, like, he's not in the room. I said, my advice is to be more interesting. I don't know. Am I allowed to say that? (laughs) Am I I allowed to say that? But I think what I mean by that is, like, go talk to people. Yeah. I'm not saying you got to be the coolest kid in the world, but go talk to people. And for my very shy eight-year-old, that sounds like a tall order. For people like me and his little sister, that's, like, what we would be doing anyway, right? Well, I, 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 I think we're going to have to come back and kind of add some pieces to this. But it, it is interesting because a little bit of what you're describing, what you both are describing, um, talks about being the one to put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. But I think it'd be good to, for us to talk about like what, what, what is needed in order to make some good friends. And so mm-hmm. I'd like to kind of draw a line on that. Um, and then maybe we'll, we'll come back and we'll, we'll answer some of those questions next time we meet. So uh, thanks for joining me today, guys. Um, uh, again, uh, I I was a little disappointed that I wasn't your best friends because I 
I literally have like a. But were you surprised? I have a Ryan and a <laughs> Drew shaped hole in my heart that only Ryan and Drew can fill. I wasn't so. allowed to have any other best friends. Justin Ebert told me I'm his best friend, and that's all that's allowed. I joke. I tell people that Justin is both my best and my worst friend. <laughs> He really imposes his friendship on me. Well, he will. He'll be doing our podcast when we do one on foes. <laughs> oh not yeah, on, I might be his friends. best and worst foe. Hope that uh, hope that you find this helpful, and I'm looking forward to sharing with you in part two.